0: well hey everybody and a very big welcome to you joining us for the very first time or our regular here a big big welcome to you we're going to jump into some prayer and then we're going to go straight into the final part of our conscience series let's pray together father we thank you so much that you lead us and guide us that you shape us and mold us that you always have something better planned for us Father, as we come to your table now, as we come to sit at your feet, teach us, please, Father, that we can become all that you have planned us to be. Because we know, Heavenly Father, that you have planned us to be good. You have planned us to have an abundant life. You have planned us to have all of the promises that you have expressed to us. We thank you, Father, that you are a good, good Father. We love you and we declare that you are our God and there is no other. Amen and amen. Well, a very big welcome to you. It's awesome that you can join us as we continue having a look at the small, still voice that God has placed on the inside of us. We are in the last session of this series called Conscience. If you've missed any of that, you can go back and grab that. Week 1 through 7 are available on the link right now. Stay with us here, though. You can go back and listen to that at another time. So if you're joining us here in the room or you're joining us from around the world, it's really awesome that we could be together today and have a look at this topic called the conscience. Now, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how you've been made. It doesn't matter what you believe in. It doesn't matter if you believe in Jesus, honor God or not in your life. There's a part of God that's been placed on the inside of you. Every single human being carries the image of God with them. Whether you believe in him or not, there's some moral standards. There's some moral code that's been written on the inside of you. We have been made in his image. That image carries some moral standards. And those moral standards that have been imprinted in you either speak loudly in your life if you let them or they grow strangely quiet in your life if you ignore them or let your friends, 1 Corinthians 15, speak them down. And so as we have a look at the small, still voice on the inside of us, it's actually God's moral standards. It's God's guide that's been given a voice on the inside of us and that voice is called our conscience. If we continue to train our conscience, it will lead us to good because God's image is good. And everything that God's image leads us to is going to be good. So if we let our conscience be trained by God, if we immerse our conscience in the word of God, if we turn our conscience back to the maker of our conscience, back to God, he has an intention to guide you towards good. And he does that by giving you this conscience, this voice on the inside of you. And for the last seven weeks, we've been having a look at how do we give that conscience voice volume? How do we make sure that we can let that conscience speak into decisions we make, into thoughts that we have, into friends that we choose, into places that we go, into jobs that we accept, into all of our decision-making process? How do we let this Bible-trained, God-soaked conscience speak to us and through us? We've been having a look at certain things as regards the fact that when we let the conscience have power in us, when we allow the conscience to give us a, a voice give it a voice in our lives, it empowers us and gives us power to press on, to make those power decisions in the moment to say no to the things we need to say no to and yes to the things that we need to say yes to. We had a look at friends and how friends can shape our conscience. When we hang out with the wise, we will become wise. When we hang out with the foolish, we will become, you got it, foolish. Because if we hang out with people that aren't listening to God's moral code and standards in their lives, very quickly we debunk God's moral standards and codes in our lives and we take away the voice of the goodness of God in our lives. We had a look and said, you know what? When we need to walk with the wise, we need to walk with wise people. We need to ask God for wisdom, to speak wisdom through our conscience. And we then need to take a decision based on what our Bible-trained conscience is telling us. Last week, we had an exciting look at at having the faith to start in a direction, to get going. When the conscience speaks faith, and the conscience will always speak faith, and here's why, remember we said that the faith in our conscience is based upon the promise of God. God's promise, His image has been placed on the inside of us. And as a result, our conscience comes alive when we speak in promise, when we walk in God's promise. You will never ever have a dull voice of God's voice in your life if you are walking in faith. Why? Because faith requires us to adhere to God's promise. And that excites God. That excites your conscience. When you start walking in faith, your conscience is coming alive and you will find that your life will be full of of passion. This, ent- this entire series has really been understanding a process of how we make decisions using our Bible-trained conscience. And today, we're just going to have a look at the process. We're going to have a look at understanding, well, hang on, listening to God, is it God's voice? Is it, am I this decision I'm making? Is it me? Is it my will? Is it his will? Is it somebody else's will? I don't really understand. I need to know. I need to understand. Is, am I hearing God's voice in this? Is this really my Bible-trained conscience speaking, or is this just my desire speaking? Ever had to make a decision, and you're you a bit lost? Maybe you wake up in the morning, and you think you've heard from God. Well, I don't really know if that was God let's have a look at how we can go through a process and trust the process of making a decision with God speaking through our conscience. Today, decision-making is becoming more and more difficult. Listening to our conscience and understanding if it's the voice of God or the voice of somebody else or my own will is becoming more and more difficult. We're almost becoming a generation that is indecisive. Children now coming in, I mean, up into their youths now, and they wanting to start a career, are, are living with mom and dad longer because they, they want to find a job that's what they love doing, that's going to make a difference and, and make a whole lot of money. And if they can't find all three, well, then they decide just to, just to be idle. And because of that idleness, that inability to make a decision to step into their career, they're finding that mediocrity is coming to play. They would rather be playing on their Xbox than making a God-focused decision. They would rather be playing with other things and looking at videos and spending time on social media, not that any of those are bad, but they'd rather be doing that than stepping up and making a decision. Is that you? Do you find distractions in your life? Because you'd rather be distracted than make a difficult decision and listen to the voice of God in your life. Maybe you're struggling to make a decision because you're doubting whether God's voice is loud and clear in your life. Maybe you're sitting in the room today and you're thinking, I don't really know if I've heard from God on that. I'm just going to wait a little bit longer. And the more we wait, the more lethargic we get in listening to the promptings of faith that's coming through our conscience. Our Bible-trained conscience is the voice of God in your life. If you're training yourself to think God's promises, that is the voice of God in your life. Your Bible-trained conscience is the voice of God in your life. People have become more and more decisive because there's more indecisive, because there's more and more options available. We are so vulnerable to this world's voice, not our voice now. We're already starting to decide what's our voice and what's the world's voice in our lives. We are so vulnerable to what the world tells us is realistic. We are so vulnerable to what the world tells us is the best decision. We are so vulnerable to what the world tells us is perfection. That we become so locked down in making a decision, taking a step with God, listening to the voice of our conscience because we are fearful that the next step we take might not lead us on to the perfection that we desire. Can I say that again? We become so fearful that the next step we'll take might not lead us on to the perfection that we desire. And so we get locked down in fear and we start thinking with our flesh here's a quick rule of thumb in understanding whether or not it's your will or God's will talking in your life whether it's your bible-based conscience talking or your mind your will your own personal will talking here's a quick rule your flesh your will will always back the overnight successes your will will always back something that will bring you overnight success But the will of God, the voice of God in your life, will always back a process and a journey. You see, we are wanting immediate success. www.getitnow.com I can't wait for God to come through for me. I need this response. I need this answer. I need this miracle right now. Have you ever wanted that, desired that, something right now? Not willing to submit to the process of God's will, seed, time, and harvest. No, we want it right now. We want to sow and reap right now, in the instant. God's process in your life and speaking who you are becoming in your life, not what you will do. Did you get that? God is working in the process of who you are becoming, not what you will you will do. When you get the who right, the what will come right. If you get the why right, the what will come right. What you do is what we chase, our will. But when we're chasing God's will, it's a process about who we are becoming. And so the very first rule of thumb is, are you chasing overnight success? Because if you are, your conscience is going to grow slowly quiet. So today, really, we're having a look at saying, how do we trust this process? How do we lean in to the process of God's voice in our lives? How do we trust this process? I want to jump into a story about Paul here, the Apostle Paul. For those of you who who don't know the Apostle Paul, in in certain people's rankings, Jesus was right up there because he was divine. And and right underneath him was probably somebody like Paul because he was human. But man, he created some pretty divine moments on earth. He changed the entire face of Christianity. He built the first churches. He did incredible things just because he had the ability to hear from God, make decisions in the moment, and was willing to walk the process. But just like you and I, Paul wrestled with this thing called the conscience. In fact, in one scripture, Paul said this. He said, the things I long to do, I don't get done. And the things I don't want to do, I do. Ever felt like that? Your conscience is telling you to go one way, but you go the other. Your will trumps the will of God in your life. And you know straight away that the things you wish to do, the will of God, don't get done. And the things that you don't wish to do are what you see come to reality. So we're going to jump into a scripture here in Acts chapter 20, verse 22 to 24. 24. And we're going to have a look at, at the process of decision-making that this guy called Paul went on to. Now, if you're looking for the Bible reference, you can click on the notes tab in, the, in the, just below the chat window, or you can open up the Version Bible app. It's a great app, and, and uh, you'll be able to find the book of Acts. If you are sitting with your Bible, that's awesome. Um, Acts is, uh, is kind of halfway through the New Testament of the Bible. When you hit Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, keep going to your right, and you'll find Acts. We're going to have a look at Acts chapter 20, verses 22 to 24. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. What is his task? He gives us the answer. The task of testifying to the good news, the promise of God's grace. Did you notice the first step in making a decision, in in having God speak into your life through your conscience? Paul starts out that section of Scripture by saying, and now compelled by the Spirit. Compelled by the Spirit. The Greek here is deo honuma. Now, deo, the word deo, is is attached to, pulled by, dragged by. So it's almost like a a lasso around someone's neck. The Holy Spirit has a lasso around me and He pulls me in a direction. I am lasso to, I am tied to, I am attached to, I am dragged by the Holy Spirit. So the very first thing we need to understand is that we need to be aware of the dea honuma moments in our lives where we get a spirit prompting, not just to text that friend, but to pick up the phone and actually voice call them. And when you do that, the Holy Spirit speaks into you in the moment, and you are obedient in the moment to the Spirit's prompting, and you phone your friend, and you find out, and you find out that they were sitting on the brink of suicide, on the brink of depression, and they just needed to hear your voice. A lot of people that don't believe in Jesus Christ or the Holy Spirit will call that coincidence, or, or I got a, I just got this thought that came to my mind. No, that's a Deo Honuma moment for you, and the Spirit is prompting you to, in the moment, do something that you weren't about to do. Your conscience immediately feels a product of the Holy Spirit when you listen to the Holy Spirit's Promptings. Now, what do I mean by your conscience feels a product of the Holy Spirit when you listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit? Well, when you step into a Deo Honuma moment, your spirit, your your inner man, your conscience, will immediately feel love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, mildness, and self-control all at once. The fruit of the Holy Spirit will work in your conscience, and you will know you will have a peace on the inside of you that you need to phone, not text. You need to turn left not right. You need to go straight, not backwards. You need to take a step, not stand still. That's what the the conscience speaks. It testifies to the fact that you have heard from the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit's prompting in your life has been acted upon. As soon as the Holy Spirit prompts you, even to go in a difficult direction, even to go forward when it's hard, even to turn right when you really want to go left, when you listen to the Holy Spirit's promptings in your life, your conscience will immediately feel the fruitages. Galatians 5.22, for those of you who wish to know the, the reference, it will immediately feel the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Your conscience isn't going to say to you, go left or go right. No, your conscience, when aligned with the Holy Spirit, is going to affirm what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. You see, we often look for the inner voice to tell us to go left or to go right, to call, not text or whatever it is that the Holy Spirit's doing. We look to our inner self. The Holy Spirit is working on the inside of you through your conscience. And when you know the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, you will feel the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your conscience. There will be a peace. Now this pneuma is the, is the spirit. It's a breeze. It's a, a moment. It's a, it's a thought. It's a fleeting thought that, that you might be thinking, where did that come from? Well, that's the Holy Spirit. Now, we can have the pneuma, but we can have maybe a difficulty in the deo. You see, we can have the Holy Spirit. We can walk around and say that the Holy Spirit exists, just like we can say God exists. But we show God that he exists by worshiping him. We show the Holy Spirit that we are obedient by being attached to the Holy Spirit, by letting our lives be willing to be led by those promptings. That the the deo piece is where we struggle. The conscience will always be leading you towards the product of the Holy Spirit. So you know when you're coming closer or going away. Now, you might have played this game with your kids or had it played to you when you hide something like a birthday present. and and a gift, and and, and you've now got to go and hide, and you've got to seek this present out, this gift out, and and your kids will shout at you, you're getting hotter, you're getting colder, lukewarm as you get closer or further away from the present. Now your conscience works like that. The more peace you feel, the closer you're stepping towards being attached to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. The more love you feel, the more mercy you feel, the more fruitages of the Holy Spirit that you feel, it's either telling you that you're getting hotter or colder or that you're lukewarm and you're not anywhere near what the Holy Spirit is asking you to do. If you feel anger, if you feel selfishness, if you become self-entwined, you're stepping away from the Holy Spirit, you're distancing yourself to the pneuma, and you're now detaching. The Deo isn't operating in your life. So step number one in working through the process of hearing God through your conscience is to make sure that you're stepping towards the gifts. You're stepping towards what the Holy Spirit is saying. Compelled, attached to, pay attention to the Deo, honuma moments. Number one is the Spirit's prompting. Number two in this process of understanding the word of God in your life is understanding that you're going to have some assured certainty. What does that mean? How can I have assured uh, uncertainty? Assured uncertainty, are the two even able to coexist? Well, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, remember, our conscience will always work in faith. We learned that last week because the conscience is oriented towards the promise of God. So our conscience is always working towards a faith step. Our conscience will always prompt us to taking faith because it knows that God, when we step out in faith, will work for the good in all things. And so when we have a look at this assured uncertainty, Hebrews 11 verse 1 gives us this definition of faith. It says that it's the assured expectation of the things hoped for, though not yet beheld. It's the assured expectation. I can back the promise even though I can't see it. The uncertainty. The assurance is in the promise not in the plan. Can I say that again? The assurance is in the promise of God, not in the plan, not in the artworking, not in the perfection that we're hoping to have at the end of the journey. Hebrews 11 verse 1 t- tells us quite clearly that we're going to have these moments when we know as we know, but we have no clue how to go. Can I say that again? We're going to have these moments when we know as we know, but we don't know how we're going to go. You see, uh, Paul experienced the same kind of thing in Acts chapter 20, verses 22. He says this, I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. Not knowing. I'm going to Jerusalem. I know I've been called by the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem, but I don't know what's going to happen to me there. You're going to have moments of assured uncertainty. Now the world will speak up the uncertainty and the promise of God will speak up the assurance. Your conscience is helping you rightly divide the word of God in your life. It's trying to cut between what the world is trying to speak up and what God is asking or speaking up in your life. You need to back whether or not you're going to step out on the uncertainty or whether you're going to step out towards the uncertainty with his assurance. When we step out and we want to have a plan for everything, you want the details for everything, you want to know exactly how much money is going to be in your bank account at the end of the process. You want to know all the details, where we're going, where we'll live, how much we'll have to pay for, what we'll have to get, what we have to acquire. If you are constantly working in the details, you are working in the certainty part. You are working in trying to figure out your own logic. That's not faith. Faith is not a, a thing that you know. Certainty that we have in our own human psyche is based on human logic, not the faith and the promise of God. In, in Psalm chapter 119, verse 105, it says that your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. It doesn't say that God's word is a lamp and a light for my For my destination. It's not gonna shine a beaming light into the future and show you exactly what the detail of your future will be. I remember the movie A Few Good Men where Jack Nicholas sits down in that movie and he and he said, You want the truth, you can't handle the truth. Well, it's the same with us. Is you know what we need to realize that we if we want the details, sometimes we're not gonna be able to handle the details. So God wants us to stand on the promise. Not get worried about the plan and the details. He's got the plan. He just needs you to have the faith in the promise. My plan is very rarely about the future. My plan should be to obey God today. My plan shouldn't be worrying about three years from now if I can't get today's obedience right. I'm not going to enjoy the crop of what I'm sowing now if I'm not sowing now. I'm not going to be able to enjoy the fruit of my obedience if I'm not being obedient to the word and the promise of God today. You want some certainty. You want some guarantees. You want some things that you can back and go to the bank on. Well, here's what you can back. God will never forsake you or leave you. God wants a life that is showing off his prosperity in and through you. He wants to show you abundance and incredible things, more than you could ever dream, hope, or imagine. He wants to give you life in abundance. Those are things you can be assured of, but the plan might mean that you're uncertain of. You see, we back The logic. We back the plan and we ignore the promise. Your voice of God on the inside of you will always be trying to steer you towards the assurance. The world will always be trying to highlight the uncertainty. And the more we get worried about the uncertainty, the more we turn our back on the promise. The plans that we make in our lives may not be guaranteed even if we think they are locked down and watertight. How many times have we thought that we've got a plan that's a definite win? And within a few days, our plans have turned to nothing. So, step number two in hearing from God and trusting this process is once we've started listening to the Spirit's prompting, once we started listening to those deo honuma moments in our lives, we need to step towards those moments with that assured uncertainty. Be comfortable with not knowing the plan, but be comfortable knowing that God has got the plan down. That's the promise of assured uncertainty. And then as we begin to journey in this process, well, understand that if you're stepping out for God and the world is highlighting all of the logic and all of the human interaction and what we can do in our own strength, you're going to get some predictable resistance. There's going to be some resistance to doing good in a broken world. There's going, to be do- there's going to be some resistance by your doctor when you bring the teaching of healing. There's going to be some resistance to the promises and plans that God has for you when they intersect with the promises and plans that your family has for you. Ever gone to somebody with, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going plan and see how they react? Ever gone to somebody and said, I'm going to do this, even though everything tells me I should do that, uh, that kind of plan? See how people respond to God's kind of assured promises in their lives. You see, we are going to get some predictable resistance. Acts chapter 20, verse 23 says this, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. If you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, you are not ready to be used by God if you're not willing to stand up and take some opposition, even to yourself. Now, talking about having hardship towards your own flesh, because sometimes your flesh needs to be brought under control. It's not outsiders that are criticizing you. It's not your family that's telling you that you can't do it. It's not the world that's telling you that you can't do it. It's you and your voice is saying that it's impossible. You can't do it. You shouldn't do it. And sometimes the hardship in being obedient to God is shutting the flesh up and backing the promise. Sometimes the hardship that Paul would have got thought through here, his flesh would have been crying out, don't go, you're going to go to prison, you're going to be in hardship. And his opposition that he needed to overcome was telling his flesh to be quiet and backing the, the, the pneuma, the Holy Spirit moment in his life. I remember when, I put up my hand and said I wish to be a minister for God when I was ordained in South Africa. The kinds of, some of the questions that were asked of me and the the predictable resistance that I got from some people who knew the old me. You'll never be able to do that. You've got too much history, too much past, too many things that have gone wrong in your life. You've done too much wrong. Who, you? Never. Well, That predictable resistance can either allow me to strengthen my resolve to press in or it can pull me back. I can either run against that resistance and become strong, use that resistance to see God's character coming into my life more and more, or I can shrink back and at the end of my days never have journeyed down the path of a dream that God placed in my heart many years ago. How many of us Christians have got to ages in our lives where we go, I wish I had done this. I wish I would have made this decision. I wish I would have made, gone right and not left. And we're coming to the end of our lives, some of us, and we've never stepped into the faith-filled, passion-oriented element of life because we've shrunk back when God has pulled us forward just because there's been some pre- predictable resistance. For some reason, when things get difficult we kind of say to ourselves, God can't be in this. Because we kind of think that when we do God's will, it's going to be plain sailing. How many of you know that we're not living in a world that is perfectly in tune with God? We will one day get to that place, but right now we're going to have to swim upstream. We're going to have to be peculiar people. We're going to have to make some crazy decisions. Speaking about that, another decision that we got resistance on, and people called us crazy, we should never do it, was homeschooling. When my kids decided to homeschool, they, they kind of said, people said to us, but what about their social life? Oh, they're not going to see anybody else. Well, you know what? Some of the kids of the parents that were accusing us of being crazy, I would rather not have my kids see them. I'd rather have my kids be crazy and at home than be influenced by the world. So we took a decision that, hey, we're going to homeschool our children. And only recently when we moved into a better schooling environment, a Christian environment that we could trust, did we send two of our children Back to high school, but we still homeschool our youngest. Even though people looked at that back then, it was the best thing we ever did for our family. I'm not dictating homeschooling to everybody. I'm just saying for our family. Why? Because God was about to uplift us from our home country and move us halfway around the world. And because we were homeschooling, we could make the move. In the moment, we didn't understand the plan, but we were obedient to the promise. And as a result, he put the plan that was perfect in place. I remember when we said to our family, we're going to be moving to the United States of America to learn how to express our ministry better and team up with other people who are passionate about God's word. We got some predictable resistance. But we had to ask ourselves the question, the enemy will only attack When we're doing something for God, if he has us in a state of inertia and we don't feel this resistance, we will never know whether or not the voice of God is speaking or our flesh is speaking. Remember, our flesh will always prompt us to do nothing. Our conscience, trained by God in faith, will always tell us to do something and get moving. Resistance isn't a sign that you are out of God's will. Resistance may very well be an indication that you're doing exactly what God wants you to do. The process might be difficult, but quitting will never ever speed it up. The process might be challenging, but putting down the process, even though you've heard from the Holy Spirit, will never quicken what the Holy Spirit has in mind for you. The struggle you are in today is developing a strength you need for tomorrow. And this is best had a look at the story of Paul, the guy that wrote the scripture we're talking about. And before we get on to the final point of, of how we hear and make sure we're hearing from God, just have a look quickly at that story of Paul. Now, Paul had a moment in life. Before this moment, he was quite the persecutor of Christians. He put many people to death, families to death. He was probably the most feared man in all Christendom. And he's walking along the road one day in Damascus, and he has this Holy Spirit pneuma moment, and he immediately attaches himself to Jesus Christ right there on the road. Jesus Christ appears to him and changes Paul's entire life. Pretty much like you and I, when we accept Jesus into our lives, Jesus appears to us and we revolutionize our lives. But we have this fairy tale story of the Apostle Paul, thinking that the Apostle Paul had the moment on the road to Damascus, and from then on, his ministry and his journey with God was a success. Well, it wasn't. He didn't have an immediate, in the moment, the next day success. In fact, for the first three years of Paul, he had to start a process off he goes into Arabia, and for three years he just studies the Word of God. Every month coming to these leaders, every month coming to the Christian leader, they're going, can I preach yet? Can I, can I do what I, what I want to do yet? Can I preach? And the preacher, the leader there of the church there said, not this month. For three years, 36 months, Paul gets put down. He gets put down, but he's in a process, and he's trusting the process, not his plan. And after three years, they finally giving him a, give him a speaking a speaking engagement in Damascus, and it was so successful that everybody in Damascus goes out and tries to kill Paul. Wow! Talk about a, a a drag down. Talk about a letdown. For three years, you've been preparing yourself for this one moment, and you're such a failure that it blows up in your face. Well, Paul didn't stop there. Praise Jesus, he didn't stop there because then you and I wouldn't have an understanding of what it's like to be in this church, in this body. So Paul pushes on. He goes into hiding, but he has to pay for things. He's now broke. He used to be a man of great wealth, but now he's got nothing. And so he starts making tents for a living and repairing tents for a living. For eight years, he makes tents, prepares himself, Sows into the process, even though his flesh is saying, I want to do, I want to preach, I want to reach, I want to teach people about Jesus. But in those eight years, who's going to book a mass Christian killer to come and speak in their church? And for eight years, he has to be part of this process. But boiling up in him was a man that would eventually launch churches, see the entire known world at the time come to Jesus and launch an attack against the political regime in God's name. They would eventually see the establishment of the Christian church worldwide. There was a character building on the inside of him. They would see him through shipwrecks. They would see him through beatings. They would see him being left for dead. And he would press on and go on, trusting the process and the promise, not the plan. This was a man that would eventually revolutionize the entire world because he was willing to go through those 11 years of process. And finally, after the 11th year of the process, a man by the name of Barnabas vouches for Paul and launches Paul off into this ministry. You see, he was willing to listen to the spirits prompting that day on the road to Damascus. He had an assured uncertainty. He had a confidence, an assurance in the promise that God had given him that day. He was willing to walk through the predictable resistance that would come with walking out what God had spoken on the inside of him through his conscience. And he was ready to go on to what God had planned for him. Not what he had planned for himself. And finally here in Acts chapter 20 and verse 24, he gives us the final clue on how we listen, how we hear through our conscience, how we know it's the word of God. He says this, However, I consider my life worthy, nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. What did Paul do? He wrote the biggest portion of the New Testament. He started churches across all of Asia Minor and Europe. He didn't have a plan to succeed. His plan was simply obey and proceed. He didn't have a plan to succeed. His plan was simply to be obedient in the moment and to trust the process. Because of that obedience, he had an unusual confidence. The word of God in your life will always give you an unusual confidence. For those of you who've had to walk into a doctor's rooms knowing that you're going to be receiving bad news, you walk in with a crazy kind of peace. For those of you who've had to face difficulty with your children and their ailments and their sickness, when you walk in God's promise, not the plan. His plan is not to see your child sick. His promise is that your child is healed. And as you walk into that room and you receive the the news, there's a good news on the inside of you that offsets the bad news of the world. When you're walking in God's word, you're going to have an unusual, a peculiar kind of confidence. Whatever the decision is going to be made, God's got it if you do it in faith. If you do it out of obedience, God has got the outcome. I remember the moment that we were, were walking through, journeying through. Well, where is that that God wants to lead us? What nation in the world are we going to put our things down for and go up and serve? And, and so we, we went over to this Isle of Man and in London. And we were, we were wrestling with some churches in, in the United Kingdom. And then finally we got an offer to, to come and pastor at a church in the Isle of Man. And Leanne and I sat down that day and there was absolutely no product of the Holy Spirit's peace in our lives about taking that decision. But let me tell you, if we had stepped into that decision and gone to the Isle of Man, instead of coming over here to a little place called Boswell, Oklahoma, well, we would have been good because if we took it in faith and we took it in obedience, well then, God would have made sure that it was good. When you make a decision out of obedience, listen to me folk at home, you can't get it wrong. You cannot get it wrong. God doesn't have a plan for you. He's only got a promise for you. He takes care of the plan. He's not even going to give you the plan because it's in His hands. It's in His grasp. He gives you a promise and asks you to take the first step. And if you take the first step out of obedience and faith, you can't get the decision wrong. God will make sure that His promise of working for the good, if you love Him and you obey Him, Well, then he's going to make sure that no matter what your decision is that you make, it's going to work out. I could have landed up in India with my family. I could have landed up on Madagascar with my family. I could have landed up anywhere in the world with my family. And if we took the decision out of obedience and faith, it would have worked out good. Did I ever expect to land in a small place called Boswell, Oklahoma? No, Are you smoking some funny weed because there was no way that I could have put that plan together. But the fact that we've landed here and God is using us and is is excited about us being here excites us to press on more with his promise than with our plan because we have a confidence that comes from God, not from our own flesh. You may not be where you want to be ultimately, but you still need to know that you're on the journey. You, You can still be the who God wants you to be. But do that, become the who God wants you to be while you are in the process of getting to where He wants you to go. What's my purpose, Craig? Have I heard from God, Craig? Your purpose is to worship, obey, and step out in faith on the promises of God. That is why He made you, to testify to the good promises, as Paul says, to testify to the good promises that God has made for you. Whether that's making tents, flipping burgers, being a stay-at-home mom, working as an executive, it does not matter. Do it to testify to the promises of God. Don't walk around trying to make your own logical plans. I truly hope that as we've generated this discussion around the voice of God in your life, your conscience becoming that mouthpiece, that you've begun to grow in hearing what God has got to say for you. Have that kind of crazy, kind of peculiar confidence that God's word brings in your life. Make sure above all else that you understand and you're willing to take on that predictable resistance. Make sure that you walk out knowing that there's going to be some uncertainty, but you've got enough light for the step that you're on. God's word is a lamp to your feet and a light for your roadway. He's not shining on the outcome. He's shining on the now and asking us to be obedient in that moment. And He does that shining through your God-trained conscience. Be ready to step out with these three things, knowing that you can respond to the Holy Spirit in any moment. The Deo Honuma moments in your life are going to come more regularly the more you train your conscience to step out in them. No. No that your friends can shape your conscience. The voice of God on the inside of you is your responsibility. Whether you hear Him audibly, whether you hear Him through a scripture, whether you see Him responding to your behavior and your obedience, it doesn't matter how you hear from God, just be orientating your voice towards the Word of God. I hope that you've learned that you can step out of your situation through anything, and walk through any circumstance if you obey the word of faith that God has placed on the inside of you. Know that if God thinks you good enough to have His voice on the inside of you, you can leverage that voice to have all the goodness that God intends for you. Let's pray together as we close out this series called Conscience and slip into a time of just hearing from God through communion. Father, we thank you that you are a God above all, that you have led us and you have put everything on the inside of us that we need. Father, thank you that despite difficulty, that predictable resistance, we can have a confidence that steps us up towards your word, not away from it. Father, we thank you that we can have this uncertainty, but we can have assurance knowing that your promise is there. Holy Spirit, speak to us. We want to hear what the Holy Spirit moments are. Our conscience needs to give witness to You, knowing the peace, the love, and the joy that happens when we step out into Your will and into Your direction. Father, thank You for changing lives through Your Word. We pray and ask that You revolutionize the way we think. Change our hearts right now. In Jesus' name, we pray. And all of God's people who declare God their God, said amen in the name of